0: Uncle Walter's Year of Wonder. March. Hey, how are you doing? It's nice for you to drop by again. That winter coat of yours is earning its keep, although there's no need to have it done up tight now that the snow is almost gone. We may get some more, though. Don't think we're done yet, but for now, you can see green returning to the poor grass that's spent the last few months suffocating under winter's oppression. That ground is still hard, however, hard and unforgiving. If you know where to look, you can see the odd flower trying to come through. This morning, I saw a small group of crocuses huddled from the wind, bringing a dash of purple and splash of pale sun-yellow to the barren yard. If I were them, I'd wait until at least the ground had received enough sunlight to soften, or when I knew I wouldn't be bombarded by the late snowfall or subjected to spiteful spring frosts. But then, I doubt I've ever been as brave or determined as crocuses. But maybe there was a time when I was determined, unperturbed in the innocence of youth, and like those flowers... I'd thrust my head above the ground, regardless of consequences. When I was young, I thought March was just an extension of winter, wherever you were in the world. That was until one year, my dad returned home from work a little late. He'd stopped at the only bookstore in Huron City, and he carried a small book with him. He had an excited grin on his face, like a kid in the proverbial candy store but I could see my mother's face held totally the opposite, as if my dad had brought in something unwanted back to the house. The same look she had when Henry brought a frog from the creek, or when I'd returned with pockets full of mushrooms that turned out to be the ones that were so toxic you'd have thought you got sick just from looking at them, the way my parents had reacted. Anyway, back to my dad and his book. What's that? My sister Jackie asked as my dad sat down without taking his coat off, book held tight in his big hands. It's finally come in, he said with glee. The cover was a picture with bright flowers of blues, yellows, pinks, and reds in the foreground, and behind them a rolling field of purple down to a sandy beach with a blue sea. The water, a color blue the likes I'd never seen before, I wouldn't have expected my dad to have a book, let alone one packed with flowers on the front, and certainly not one with words I could not read, as I was near the top of my class as a nine year old reader at the time. Print, emps, and Provence, I said, making the words out the best I could. Provence, my father said. That's how they say it. It's called Springtime in provence it's french said my mom there was anger in her voice she left the room stopping up the stairs making more noise than was necessary when just going up the stairs this is how it looks this is how it is there in march he said me and my sister gathered round my older brother henry was out with his friends and we listened as dad told his tale I knew he'd been overseas, something to do with the Navy, but he'd never spoken about it much at all. We're on our way back to the US, he began, when we docked at Cannes, or Cannes as they call it, down in the south of France. We only had a few hours, and not many could be bothered to go to shore, as it was early but I could see the rising sun shining off the roofs and sidewalks. I had to go. I listened and watched as his eyes shone bright, vibrant, alive, like they never usually were after a day at work. I walked through the narrow streets, he said. The sea was making this soft noise as it stroked the sand and Kahn's was just waking up. He told us of how people stared at him in his American uniform, a few saying bonjour, and then he noticed an old woman sweeping her doorstep and opening up a small café. Did you go see her? Did you go to the café? asked Jackie. I wasn't planning on it, my dad continued, but as she arranged a couple of tables with their chairs on the sidewalk next to the cobbled road, I could not believe the color that was everywhere in the window boxes, in pots by doorways, and in the vases she was now placing on her simple little tables were these yellow flowers that shone so bright it was like she'd picked them from the face of the sun only that morning. It was like a different father in front of me, the way he spoke, showing us the pictures, staring off as if he could see those flowers in the vases, taste the french coffee she'd made for him while he waited, sitting in a foreign paradise in the peace of early morning. Mimosa, he said, as if saying a sacred word. And it was everywhere, in the streets, the gardens, the park, and in the vases on my table. It smelled like golden honey perfume powdered heaven. And this was in March, he said, as if Like me, he still couldn't quite get his head around the fact that not everywhere had brittle landscapes at this time of year. He told us about how the coffee was like nothing he tasted before or since and how he walked up winding streets as if in a dream, climbing high up on the outskirts of the city where he could see his ship on the blue expanse of the Mediterranean Sea and I wanted to keep walking, walking into the hills above cans, and not to get back on that ship ever again. He stopped talking and put the book down. I felt uneasy. The silence unnerved Jackie too as she got up and walked to the kitchen and put away dishes. My father stared off into the distance, and I knew he was hiding a tear like I'd seen him do the time we found a frozen kitten out walking one early spring morning. Just then my mother returned as if she had sensed the silence from upstairs, and she looked at my father as if he'd done the dumbest thing imaginable. "'Off you go, Walter,' she said in a way that left no room for reply. As I left, I could hear her calling him a fool, and why did he have to bring this stupid book into the house?' I didn't hear my father respond. As I tried to sleep, I could not get the sight of my dad's happiness at this book and the story he told out of my head. But at the same time, I knew he was sad as well. But being only nine years old, I had no clue as to why. My stomach tied in knots thinking about my dad walking off into Provence, never coming back. Would I have been French then? Oh, wait, would he have even met my mother? Would I have been born? It was too much to think about. All I knew was that I liked the happy, excited, storytelling dad, and that maybe if I could find those flowers for him, if I could find a store that sold mimosa, then I could recreate a bit of France in our backyard and... Recreate the father with vibrant eyes full of wonder. But when I spoke to my mother the next morning about my plans, I might as well have been asking her if I could burn the house down, given the unexpected ferocity of her reply. Don't you dare think about doing anything like that, Walter James Elliot. I felt my face go red, embarrassed, hurt that she would speak to me like that when I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I was trying to do something nice. When the shock of her outburst had worn off and a couple of days had gone by, I still wanted to get those flowers for my dad, even if I didn't comprehend what the heck was going on with my parents. They hadn't spoke a word to each other for a couple of days, and even though they were speaking a bit more like normal, I could tell things had changed since the book arrived. When Saturday came, I woke up early, looked out at the March landscape, and tried to imagine that the bleached lawn and our bare shrubs were like Provence, shining with golden mimosa, our backyard filled with lavender bushes that stretched to our neighbor's wire fence. I'd managed to get a hold of the book and look through it, reading the French words as if they were English, still not really knowing how somewhere could be like that at this time of year. My mom must have seen me reading it, as it was now nowhere to be seen. So deciding to keep my plans from her, I spoke with my sister instead. Of course they won't have any flowers like that at Harrison's, she said, when I told her what I wanted to do. How do you know, I said. Have you ever asked? So my sister biked with me to Harrison's the store at the crossroads a mile and a quarter away, except it was really called Crossroads General Store. But you could see the paintwork of the former owner, Harrison, underneath the new sign. Hi, Mr. Harrison, I said, and the good-natured Mr. Chadwick smiled and ignored my misnomer as usual. Morning, Walter, Jackie, what can I do for you today? Jackie said nothing and headed for the stand that had the seed packets. I suddenly felt a little self-conscious. The warning from my mother surfaced, and I was still at an age where I thought the adults I knew spoke with each other about me. Just looking, I said, scuttling off the stand next to Jackie. See, Walt, no fancy flowers here, she said, turning the seed stand too quick for me to see what was there. "'Hang on,' I said as I jammed my fingers in to stop it turning. "'They have sunflower seeds. "'There were fields of sunflowers in Dad's book.' "'Everywhere has sunflower seeds,' she said. "'They're not special.' and she was right. "'Uncle Frederick had a field of sunflowers on his tiny farm. "'They even grew in our yard some years. "'I must have looked through those seed packets a dozen times, "'spinning it around slowly, then fast, hoping that maybe a packet I'd not seen would magically appear. Once I'd stared at the packets of daisies, foxgloves, black-eyed Susans, (laughs) now there's a name for a flower, once I'd looked for the umpteenth time, I reached the unsatisfying conclusion that Jackie, as often was the case, had been correct. "'Now what are you looking for?' said Mr. Chadwick, who had walked from behind his counter Again, I felt worried, as if my mother had become Mr. Chadwick and would stop me. But the desire to help my father pushed any fear and doubt away, and with it, whatever was affecting my mother about that book. "'Do you have any mimosa seeds?' I asked. "'Mimosa? That sounds like a soda!' (laughs) he joked, and I could tell he neither knew what I was talking about or cared, as he clearly had none, so he couldn't sell me anything. "'Even if he did have seeds, they wouldn't be ready for spring,' said Jackie as we walked our bikes home, sucking on some hard cola candy I'd bought instead of seeds. "'They take months to grow, years!' "'Have I told you Jackie was always right about things?' I knew then I'd had to change my plans if I were to provide Dad with my rendition of Provence in our backyard I so desperately wanted to give him. But I struggled to come up with anything. Jackie's blunt facts about the time it takes flowers to grow irritated me. But there must be something I could do. Then a few days later at school, the light bulb went off in my head. Easter was not too far away, and the perfunctory activity of decorating Easter eggs and rabbits to put into rickety straw baskets we'd badly woven, turned into a moment that would have been accompanied by a swirling orchestra and bright lights of illumination had it been a movie. I could make flowers. There was more colored card and tissue paper laying around than the class needed, so when our teacher was distracted, which was often... I stuffed my bag full of all the yellow, purples, reds, blues, and pinks I could and sneaked them out. I ran to my room as soon as I got home and stuffed the illicit materials under the bottom drawer in my dresser. That evening, at dinner, Henry mentioned something about the book as Jackie had told him about it. My whole body tensed. Enough! My mother snapped before Dad could say anything. That's all over now. Enough. She looked at me, and for a few seconds, I waited for her to berate me for going to Chadwick's and for stealing the craft papers. But of course, she knew nothing. It was a long time ago, she said, wasn't it? Nothing to do with now. And my dad after a pause, reluctantly agreed. I guess so, he said. The next few nights, I worked under my bed sheets, cutting and creating flowers by flashlight. Jackie would have been more adept, but I didn't want to drag her into whatever I was getting myself into, as I didn't really know what it was. After a week of snipping and coloring and pasting, a week of Sweating that my mom would search my room even though it was something she'd never done before I'd finally constructed my fake blooms I had enough little lavender bushes to make a splash halfway down our front path and all sorts of shapes of red and blue flowers with green stalks to scatter across the front lawn but my piece de resistance or piece de resistance as it were were the bunches of yellow mimosa imitations I'd taken the most time with. I had enough to fill the buckets and flower pots from the shed, as I hadn't dared take a real vase to avoid suspicion. And I sprayed them with air freshener that I'd convinced myself had the same smell as mimosa. And it was on one bright, and more importantly, dry Saturday, when March was beginning to warm, that I waited for mom to head to the store and Jackie occupied dad with a story she'd written that I got to work. I began placing them carefully to my plan, but my heart started to race with a mix of excitement and anxiety so that my careful laid out scheme turned into a cacophony of color all across our front yard. When I stopped, I felt like crying. It looked beautiful. It looked like March in Canaan. He's coming, said Jackie, and I felt my pulse race even more. But I thought it would race faster than was safe to do so when at the same time my mom arrived home. I clearly mistimed the whole thing lost in my frenzy of planting. My dad stood at the front door, staring out at what I'd just done, Clearly puzzled. My mother slammed the car door and strode towards me. What the hell? she hollered. But as she was about to carry on shouting at me, she stopped. We all stopped. And we all looked. Kneeling on the doorstep, my dad was crying. And not the crying of someone who was sad the baseball season had ended or that great aunt Martha had finally passed but crying that shook his whole body, his shoulders shuddering like pistons, his hands trembling as he lifted them up to his face. Jackie started to cry, and I waited for something monumental to come my way from my mother, but she walked straight past me and knelt beside my dad, putting her arm around him and gently rocking him the best she could. I knew my own face was wet with tears by the time she looked my way. I told you, Walter. I told you not to have anything to do with that stupid book, she said through her tears. Then she stopped looking at me and I could tell her eyes were staring at the flowers I'd made and the way our yard had transformed into some crazy mirage. A place of imagination made flesh. A place that had somehow caused all this... Emotion. I'm sorry, I wanted to say, but no words came. Why don't you ever listen to me? She began. Look, look what you've done to your father. For a split second, I thought I'd caused something fatal, as if my act of creativity, born of wanting to take my dad back to that march in Khans, had been conceived in ignorance. But I knew it hadn't been. Somewhere, I knew what I'd been doing, even if I didn't know what that knowing was. My dad lifted his face. It was red and wet, his eyes puffy and swollen. But yet he smiled, sort of. An upside-down smile, anyway, and his face looked softer, a hard edge gone. Gone for good. It's... it's okay, Walt. I'm I'm okay, he said. I'm sorry, I managed to say quietly, but I knew I wasn't sorry for making the flowers, and I wasn't sorry for my dad crying either. Oh, you'll be sorry, my mother tried to yell, but even she had lost some of her anger. You don't need to apologize, my dad said, getting to his feet, he came over and put his hand softly on my shoulder. Thank you, he said. He walked slowly through the front yard, bending down to pick up some flowers. That was supposed to be a poppy, I said as he held a red one up to the sun. I can tell, he said. He plucked some lavender and smelt it. "'So fresh,' he said. "'Then he knelt and filled his hands "'with tiny tissue-paper blooms of mimosa "'and held them to his face, "'a little surprised, I think, "'that they did have a scent of some fashion. "'Then once more, he began to weep, "'not with shuddering shoulders this time, "'or head and hands. "'Just a welcome river that ran down his face,' and fell to the softening spring soil. Dinner was calm that night, Dad's book on the table with us. He talked about France, turning that brief time he'd spent there into what seemed like a lifetime of stories. His eyes were vibrant once more, and they didn't hide. He'd lost friends, a result of the war in Vietnam he'd never talked about, and once he'd returned to the ship to take him home, he received news that his father had passed unexpectedly. I would have wished to have stayed in Cannes too. Who knew making paper mimosa would bring forth so much? Maybe I did. All I know is that without those flowers there may have been parts of my father I would never have learned about. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I I didn't notice the time lost in my story, like my father was. It is getting a little late, but at least the nights are drawing out. You'll be driving while it is still light, which is good. Flowers will be arriving with more abundance soonish, but let's not pretend it's like Preempts and Provence. The ground will soften, and who knows what's buried, what will come forth, and what will stay hidden forever. Take care. I hope to see you again soon. You have been listening to Marty Garavaglia as Uncle Walter. The show was written and produced by Daniel Williams. Uncle Walter's Year of Wonder is a Huron City radio show for Albion Fields Productions.